On the second Sunday of Easter, we always read from chapter 20 in John's Gospel. The locked doors of the upper room were no match for the risen Lord, who entered into that room breathing peace. The risen one not only unlocks the doors, he leaves the keys. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. The 13th century Sufi mystic and poet Rumi wrote, This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door, laughing, and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. On the fourth Sunday of Easter, we always read from chapter 10 of John's Gospel, the teaching about the Good Shepherd. In today's passage, Jesus declares, I am the gate, or in some translations, the door. When we think of shepherds and sheep, we imagine green pastures and still waters, but we're not in the countryside. In fact, we're in the center, the center of the city of Jerusalem, outside the temple. Just before today's gospel is the story about the man who was born blind. At the end of that story, Jesus heard that they had driven the man out of the synagogue. So Jesus came looking for him. Jesus is the shepherd who goes in search of the lost. The good shepherd comes to gather and restore what has been scattered and separated. When we were praying for a new pastor in February, I quoted Moses, who at the end of his days prayed that, quote, God would appoint someone over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in. Joshua, of course, is the new shepherd who replaced Moses. Joshua is the Hebrew rendering of the Greek name, Jesus. In the ancient walls of Jerusalem, there was a gate on the north of the city by which the animals were brought in from the surrounding areas for sacrifice. It was called the Sheep Gate. There was only one door where the sheep went in and no lamb ever came back out. They traveled in only one direction, and there they were sacrificed for the sins of human beings. So in the very temple area, filled with sheep on their way to slaughter, Joshua, Jesus, declares, there is a way out. 
I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Robbers and thieves take the sheep without entering through the gate. They pick off sheep for sacrifice from a safe distance. But the good shepherd is happy to go through the gate, occupying this place of sacrifice, laying down his life for the sheep. In fact, in John's Gospel, Jesus is crucified on the day before Passover at the very hour that the Paschal lambs are being slaughtered in the temple. We use gates to keep the others out. But in becoming human, Jesus came to show us that there is no one outside of God's love. On the cross, remember, one of the criminals said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, today you'll be with me in paradise. Father Greg Boyle is a Jesuit priest who runs the biggest gang intervention program on the planet. Before the coronavirus upended our plans, we had invited Greg to speak here at Christ the Redeemer in June. So this week I found myself rereading Greg's book, Tattoos on the Heart, The Power of Boundless Compassion. The homies call him G. And one of the questions G gets asked more than any other is this, what's it like having enemies working together? His answer, it's almost always tense at first. A homie will beg for a job and perhaps I have an opening at the bakery, but you're going to have to work with X, Y, and Z, naming enemies already working there. He thinks a bit and invariably will say, well, I'll work with them, but I'm not going to talk with them. In the early days, Greg said, this would unsettle me until I discovered that it always becomes impossible to demonize someone you know. She quotes Mother Teresa, who diagnosed the world's ills in this way. We've just forgotten that we belong to each other. It is God's dream come true when we recognize that there exists no daylight between us. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus is in a house so packed that no one can come through the door anymore. So the people open the roof and they lower the paralytic down through it so Jesus can heal him. G points out that the focus of the story is understandably the healing of the paralytic. But there's something more significant that is happening here. They're ripping the roof off the place and those outside are being let in. The voice of Christ always draws us into community. It pulls us towards others. The New Testament word for devil, diabolos, means just that, the one who scatters. It calls us away from community, from communion. Boyle says that in the end, the only thing that matters is kinship, inching ourselves closer 
to creating a community of kinship such that God might recognize it. Soon, we imagine, with God, this circle of compassion. And then we imagine no one standing outside of that circle, moving ourselves closer to the margins so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. <laughs>